0: Section 6 of Rough and Ready, or Life Among the New York Newsboys, by Horatio Alger, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tory Falder. Chapter 11. The Advertisement in the Herald. About eight o'clock, Rough and Ready bade goodnight to Miss Manning and his sister, and went round to the Newsboys' lodge to sleep. On entering the room, he went up to the superintendent and said, Mr. O'Connor, I want to ask your advice about something very well rufus i will give you the best advice in my power now what is it hereupon the newsboy told the story of his finding the pocketbook didn't you see any one to whom you think it was likely to belong no sir how long did you remain after you found it i waited about half an hour thinking that the loser might come back for it but no one came why did you not give it to the barkeeper because i knew it did not belong to him and i judged from his looks that if he once got hold of it The true owner would never see it again, even if he came back for it. I have no doubt you are right. I only asked to learn your own idea about it. Now, what do you think of doing? Wouldn't it be a good plan to advertise it in the Herald? Yes, I think it might. Besides, there is the chance of its loss being advertised there, so that we can examine the advertisements of articles lost. Yes, sir. Will you write an advertisement? If you wish me to do so. The superintendent took pen and paper and drew up the following advertisement found a pocketbook containing a considerable sum of money the owner can have the same by calling on the superintendent of the newsboys lodging house proving property and paying the expense of this advertisement how will that do he inquired it's just the thing said rough and ready how many times shall i put it in three times will answer i think i will give you enough of the money to pay for the advertisement and you can carry it round tonight this was done the charge was found to be four dollars and eighty cents as the herald charges forty cents per line and the three insertions made twelve lines i have no doubt said mr o'connor i shall have some applications from adventurers who will pretend that they have lost a pocketbook but i will take care that it shall be surrendered only to the real owner the superintendent was right in this matter early the next morning a flashily attired individual mounted the long flights of stairs and inquired for him What is your business, sir? inquired Mr. O'Connor. I called about the pocketbook which you advertise in the Herald. Have you lost one? Yes, and I have no doubt that it is the one. How much did you pay for advertising? I don't mind giving you a trifle extra for your trouble. Wait a moment, where did you lose your pocketbook? Really, I can't say. I was at a good many places downtown. Then you couldn't have any idea as to where you lost it? "'I think I must have dropped it somewhere in Nassau Street or Fulton Street. "'Where was it found?' "'I do not intend giving information, but to require it. "'It is important that I should not give it to the wrong party.' "'Do you doubt that the pocketbook is mine?' said the other in an offended tone. "'I know nothing about it. "'If it is yours, you can describe the pocketbook "'and tell me how much money there is in it.' "'Well,' said the flashy individual, hesitating, "'it wasn't a very large pocketbook.' "'Brown?' "'Yes.' And how much money was there in it? Really, I couldn't tell exactly, but you can give me some idea. There was somewhere from 50 to $75, said the adventurer, hazarding a guess. Then it doesn't belong to you, said the superintendent. There might have been a little more. Now I think of it, there must have been over $80. You're wasting your time, sir. You will have to look elsewhere for your pocketbook. The man went off, muttering that he had no doubt it was his, but he saw clearly that he had failed. However, he was not yet at the end of his resources. At the corner of Broadway and Fulton Streets, he was greeted by another young man of similar appearance. "'Well, Jack, what luck. I came away as poor as I went. Then you couldn't hit the description?' "'No, he was too many for me. Anyway, you found out something. Give me a few hints, and I'll try my luck.' He asked me if the pocketbook was brown, and I said yes. That's wrong. You'd better say it's black or some other color. All right, I'll remember. What else did he ask you?' where i lost it what did you say in nassau or fulton street i couldn't say which was that wrong i don't know he didn't say what next he asked how much money there was i said from fifty to seventy-five dollars though i afterwards said there might be over eighty that's too wide a margin i think i'll say a hundred and fifty more or less that might do as soon as i've smoked out my cigar i'll go up good luck to you bob mind we are to divide if you get it "'You shall have a third. No half. I'll see about it, but I haven't got it yet.' In a few moments, the superintendent received a second applicant. "'Good morning, sir,' said the individual named Bob. "'You found a pocketbook, I think.' "'Yes.' "'I'm glad of it. I lost mine yesterday, with a pretty stiffish sum of money in it. "'I suppose one of your newsboys picked it up. "'Did you lose it in this street?' "'Yes, I expect so. I was coming from the Fulton Ferry in a great hurry, "'and there was a big hole in my pocket that I didn't know of.' "'I had just got the money for a horse that I sold to a man over there. "'Will you describe the pocketbook? What color was it?' "'Black, that is to say, not perhaps exactly black, "'but it might be called black,' said Bob, "'getting over this question as well as he could. "'Very well. Now for the amount of money in the pocketbook. a "'150 dollars, more or less,' said Bob boldly. "'In three bills of fifty dollars each?' asked the superintendent. "'Yes, precisely,' said Bob eagerly. "'That was what was paid for the horse I sold.' Then I regret to say that the pocketbook in my possession cannot be yours. When I find one answering your description as to color and contents, I will hold it at your disposal. Sold, muttered Bob to himself as he slunk downstairs without another word. He rejoined his confederate who was waiting for him at the corner and informed him in expressive language that it was no go. Perhaps if we'd consulted a medium, we might have found out all about the color and amount, suggested Jack. Don't you believe it, said Bob. If the mediums could tell that, they'd be after it themselves. Where's your herald? We may get her better at some other place. They found an advertisement of a diamond ring found and started in pursuit of the finder. As Jack said, we might get it, you know, and if we don't, there's no harm done. Mr. O'Connor had various other applications for the pocketbook, of which we will only describe one. A woman dressed in black presented herself about noon. Is this the superintendent, she asked. Yes, ma'am. I came to see you about that pocket book you advertise. I am a widow with six children, and I have hard work to get along. Yesterday I sent out my oldest boy to pay the rent, but he is a careless boy, and I suppose he got to playing in the street and it fell out of his pocket. It was a great loss to me, and a widow's blessings shall rest upon you, sir, if you restore it. "'My boy's name is Henry, and I can bring you the best recommendations "'that I am a respectable woman and my word can be relied upon.' "'This speech was delivered with such volubility "'and with such a steady flow of words "'that the superintendent had no opportunity of interrupting her. "'May I ask your name, madam?' he said at length. "'My name is Manson, sir, Mrs. Manson. "'My husband was an honest man. He was a blacksmith. "'But he was took down sudden with a fever about three years ago,' they carried him off and left me to get along as well as i could with my family of children i ought to be back now so if you'll give it to me you can take what you like for the advertising and to pay you for your trouble you are a little too fast mrs manson how am i to know that the pocketbook is yours i'll bring my son henry to prove that he lost the pocketbook when he was going to pay the rent "'That will not be necessary. All you will have to do will be to describe the pocketbook and its contents, and if your description is correct, I will take it for granted that it belongs to you and give it to you at once.' "'Describe it, sir?' "'Yes. What was the color?' "'I can't justly say, sir, for it was Henry's pocketbook,' said Mrs. Manson, hesitating. "'But I think it was black. And how much money was there in it?' Thirty dollars,' said the widow, with a little hesitation.' "'Then the pocket-book isn't yours. Good morning, madam.' "'It's hard upon a poor widow to lose her money, sir, "'and then have the finder refuse to give it up,' whined Mrs. Manson. "'It would be, no doubt, but it would be equally hard for the real owner of the money "'for me to give it to the wrong person. "'But I think the pocket-book is mine. You are mistaken, madam.' "'Mrs. Manson, who, by the way, was not a widow, "'and didn't have six children as represented, went away crestfallen.' A week passed, and the money still remained in the hands of Mr. O'Connor. Numerous applicants had been drawn by the advertisement, one or two of whom had met with genuine losses, but the greater part were adventurers who trusted to lucky guessing to get hold of money that did not belong to them. The advertisements of money lost were also carefully examined daily, but there was none that answered to the sum found by the newsboy. "'I am beginning to think,' said Mr. O'Connor, after a week had passed, "'that you won't find an owner for this money, Rufus. "'What do you intend to do with it?' "'I'll put it in some bank, sir,' said the newsboy promptly. "'I don't need to use it at present, but I may sometime. "'It'll be something for me to fall back upon if I get sick. "'I am glad you do not mean to live upon it. "'I was afraid it might encourage you to idleness.' "'No, sir, it won't do that,' said and Reddy promptly. "'I'm not such a fool as that.' "'I've got a little sister to take care of, and I've thought sometimes, what if I should get sick? "'But with this money I shan't feel afraid. I think it'll make me work harder. "'I should like to add something to it if I could.' "'That is the right way to talk, Rufus,' said the superintendent approvingly. "'I think you are a good boy, and I shall be glad to help you with advice, "'or in any other way, whenever you need it. "'I wish you could get an education. It would help you along in life hereafter.' I am studying every evening, sir, said the newsboy. Miss Manning, a friend of mine that my sister boards with, is helping me. I hope to be something higher than a newsboy sometime. The superintendent warmly applauded his determination, and a week later gave the pocketbook up to Rough and Ready, feeling that every reasonable effort to find an owner had been tried. Chapter 12 A Visit to Greenwood Cemetery one day rough and ready came to see his sister and displayed a bank book on one of the city savings banks containing an entry of three hundred dollars to his credit what do you think of that rosie he said don't you think i am rich i don't see anything but a little book said rose who knew nothing of the way in which savings banks were conducted there isn't any money in it she continued turning over the leaves with the expectation of finding some bills folded between them you don't understand it rose "'That little book is worth three hundred dollars.' Three hundred dollars? "'Why, I wouldn't give five cents for it!' "'The newsboy laughed. "'It shows that I have three hundred dollars in the bank, "'which they will pay me whenever I want it.' "'That is nice,' said Rose. "'I am so glad you are rich, Rufy.' "'Then you have heard nothing of the owner of the money?' "'said Miss Manning. "'No, I have heard nothing. "'Mr. O'Connor says I shall be right in keeping the money now, "'as I have tried to find the owner and cannot.' What do you propose to do with it? I shall keep it in the bank at present until I need it. But there is one thing I would like to do, Miss Manning. What is that? I would like to make you a present, a dress or shawl or whatever you need most. Thank you, Rufus. You are very kind, said the seamstress. But I would prefer that you would leave the money untouched. Since I made the arrangement with you about Rose, I am doing much better than I did before, and I feel much better because I have more sustaining food. "'I feel now as if I could afford to take a little time to sew for myself. "'I bought a dress pattern yesterday, and I shall make it up next week. "'But I should like very much to make you a present, Miss Manning. "'So you shall, Rufus, whenever you have a thousand dollars laid aside. "'At present I do not need anything, and I would rather you would keep your money.' "'To this resolution Miss Manning adhered, in spite of the newsboy's urgent persuasion. "'She knew very well that three hundred dollars, though it seemed a large sum to him, would rapidly melt away if it was once broken in upon, and she wished it to be kept as a nest egg and an encouragement for future accumulations. At any rate, said Rufus, I want to celebrate my good luck, and I want you to help me do it. Let us go tomorrow afternoon to Greenwood Cemetery. I think Rose will like it, and as it is a beautiful place, it will be pleasant for us all. Very well, said the seamstress. I will agree to that if you will wait till I have finished my dress. I think I can have it done, so that we can go on Wednesday afternoon. Will that do? Yes, that will suit me very well. I hope it will be a pleasant day. If it is not, we can defer it to the next day. It will need to be explained that Rufus had already $5 in the bank previous to his coming into possession of the contents of the pocketbook. That had originally contained $300, but $5 had been taken out to defray the expenses of advertising in the Herald. When Rose was informed of the contemplated excursion, she was filled with delight. The poor child had had very little pleasure or variety, and the excursion, brief as it was, she anticipated with eager enjoyment. The day opened auspiciously. The early morning hours the newsboy devoted to his business, being unwilling to lose a day's earnings. At eleven o'clock he came to Miss Manning's lodgings. Well, I am through with my day's work, he said. How much do you think I have earned? Seventy-five cents,' said the seamstress inquiringly. "'A dollar and twenty cents,' he said. "'You have been very smart. What a number of papers you must have sold.' "'I didn't make it all that way. There were two boys who were hard up and hadn't any blacking brushes, so I bought them some, and they are to pay me ten cents a day, each of them, for a month. Then I shall let them keep the brushes.' "'Do the boys often make such arrangements?' No, they generally go wax. The boy who borrows agrees to pay half his earnings to the boy that sets him up in business. That is rather a hard bargain. Yes, I didn't want to charge so much, so I only charged ten cents a day. That will pay you a good profit, but how do you know but the boys will keep the brushes and won't pay you anything? Oh, they won't do that. They'll keep their promises, or nobody would help them next time they get hard up. Miss Manning had prepared an early dinner, to which they all sat down. This was soon dispatched, and they set out together for the south ferry from which cars ran to the cemetery they reached the ferry about noon and at once crossed over rose enjoyed the ride upon the boat for though new york is surrounded by ferries she had hardly ever ridden on a ferry boat i wish we didn't get out so quick she said do you like being on the water rosie ever so much replied the little girl then we will take a longer excursion some day soon we can go to staten island that will be six miles each way that will be nice i hope we can go soon they soon reached the brooklyn side and disembarked with a throng of fellow passengers a car was waiting the boat's arrival on which they saw greenwood printed jump on board quick said rough and ready or you won't get seats miss manning barely got a seat she took rose in her lap and the newsboy stood out on the platform with the conductor the ride was a pleasant one to all three but no incidents happened worth noting When Rufus settled the fare, the conductor said jocosely, "'Your wife and child, I suppose?' "'No,' said the newsboy. "'All my children are grown up and out of the way. "'They don't give me any trouble.' "'That's where you're lucky,' said the conductor. "'It's more than I can say. "'Have you a family?' "'Yes. "'I have a wife and four children, and precious hard work, I find it, "'to support them on my small wages. "'But it's no use asking any more.' "'That's my sister. "'The little girl, I mean,' said Rufus. "'The other is a friend who looks after her.' i have to support her but that's only one while you have five she looks like a nice little girl she's about the size of my oldest girl she's a dear little sister said the newsboy warmly i should feel very lonely without her he little thought as he spoke that the loneliness to which he referred was speedily to come upon him but we will not anticipate they got out at the entrance of the cemetery and entered the grounds greenwood cemetery of which all my readers have probably heard is very extensive the grounds comprising over three hundred acres it is situated about two and a half miles from the south ferry on what is now known as gowanus heights its elevated position enables it to command charming views of the bay and harbor of new york with its islands and forts the twin cities of new york and brooklyn the new jersey shore the long lines of city wharves with their forests of masts, and an extensive view of the ocean the numerous and beautiful trees crowning the elevations, the costly monuments, the winding paths so intersecting each other as almost to make a labyrinth, render this a charming spot, and death assumes a less repulsive aspect amid such surroundings. How beautiful it is! said Miss Manning, gazing about her thoughtfully. I have never been here before. I never came but once, said the newsboy, and that was a good while ago. Little Rose was charmed, and darted first into one path, then into another, and was about to pluck some flowers, until she was told that this was against the regulations. "'What a lot of dead people live here!' she said, as from a little height they saw white stones and monuments rising on every side. "'She has used the right word after all,' Rufus said Miss Manning, "'for death is only the introduction to another life. I sometimes think that those whose bodies lie here are not wholly insensible to the beauty by which they are surrounded.' i don't know said the newsboy i never thought much about it till mother died i wish she had been buried here i think it would be a comfort to me poor mother she had a hard life and he sighed i want rose to have a happier one let us hope she will have you heard anything of mr martin lately she carefully avoided using the word stepfather for she had observed that even this recognition of relationship was distasteful to the boy "'who had imbibed a bitter prejudice against the man who had wrecked his mother's happiness "'and undoubtedly abridged her life by several years. "'No, I have not seen him since the day after I took Rose away from Leonard Street. "'I think he cannot be in the city, or he would have come around to where I was selling papers. "'I expected he would be round before to ask me for some money. "'What do you think has become of him?' "'Maybe he's gone back into the country. "'I hope he has, for I should feel safer about Rose.' "'Here the conversation closed for the time.' They rambled on without any particular aim, wherever fancy dictated. They came upon most of the notable monuments, including that of the sea-captain and that of Miss Canda, the young heiress, who, dying by a violent accident with no one to inherit her wealth, it was decided that it should all be expended upon a costly monument, which has ever since been one of the chief ornaments of the cemetery. At length they began to think of returning, but had some difficulty at first in finding their way to the gate, so perplexing is the maze of paths. I don't know, but we shall have to stay here all night, said Rufus. How should you like that, Rose? I wouldn't care, said the little girl. I think the grass would make a nice soft bed. But to this necessity they were not reduced, as after a while they emerged into a broad path that led down to the gateway. They passed through it and got on board a horse car. I think we will go to Fulton Ferry this time, said Rough and Reddy. It will give us a little change. He did not realize to what misfortune this choice of his would lead, or he would not have made it. "'but we cannot foresee what our most trifling decisions may lead to.' "'In due time, they got on board the Fulton ferryboat "'and went into the ladies' cabin. "'They didn't see a man who followed their motions with an eager gaze, "'mingled with malice. "'It was James Martin, who saw Rose now for the first time "'since she was taken from Leonard Street by her brother. "'This is lucky,' he muttered to himself. "'I will find out where she lives, "'and then it will be a pretty tight cage, "'or I shall be able to secure the bird.' but there was danger that if he followed in person the newsboy might look back and perceiving his design foil it by going in the wrong direction he quickly decided what to do there was a half-grown boy near by whom he knew slightly here boy said he do you want to earn half a dollar yes said the boy then you must follow some people whom i will point out to you and find out where they live don't let them see that they are followed all right sir when rough and ready got out of the boat with his two companions They were followed at a little distance by this boy, but of this they were quite unaware. End of section six. Recording by Tory Falder.